Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Match Ball. Hello and welcome to the podcast brought to you by Levi Solicitors. You can get 10% off your legal fees, be they for personal or commercial services, if you head to levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. I'm Dan Moylan and I'm joined remotely here on the match ball by Michael Normanson. Hello. And Moscow White, Daniel Chapman. Hello. A slightly different feel to this evening's post-match compared to the game against Fulham on Saturday. One all draw with Luton. What do we take from that? Pat Bamford still can't score. He tricked us against Fulham. He made us think he could score, but he can't. And neither can Costa. I would drop them both, but everyone's injured. You sound in a good mood. <laughs> Fucking fuck off, Lades. Honestly. What a ridiculous <laughs> thing to do. Why? How? I don't know if you caught it at full time, if you left LUTV on, but I kept it on for a few minutes after it finished. And Bamford was having a, a chat back and forth with, with Izzy Brown and he indicated to the lights that he lost his chance in the lights. And that's exactly, exactly what Costa was saying after he missed his as well, that he lost the ball in the lights. I've got an idea then. Should play John Lukic up front because he'd be just, it's exactly the same. John Lukic at Ibrox and at least when uh, John Lukic lost the ball against Glasgow Rangers in the floodlights, the ball went into the net. Admittedly, it was ours, but it's progress. Do we accept that as a reason for not taking three points then tonight? No, the floodlights have been like that for years at Ellen Road. In no other night game have I seen people blaming the light, the lights on the West Stand for anything. Unless they've put a new one in at pitch level that is shining. Someone's got, Victor Alter's got his headlights shining down the, the tunnel in the corner of the West Stand. The, the floodlights are high enough that that shouldn't be an issue. It's never been an issue before. And let's face it, it's not exactly out of character that Pat Bamford misses a really, really fucking easy chance. If the floodlights were the problem, and I'm prepared to believe it's possible, just don't say it. Don't don't even tell Izzy Brown, un, unless it's somewhere, maybe in the car park when the car the cameras aren't there and, and nobody can see. Mention it then, but you just don't let anybody know that's the reason. It's probably better for both Bamford and Costa to come out and say, yeah, I just fucked up. It was really bad, really bad effort going for that header. Don't know what happened. I should have done better with it. Coming out and saying, or even just pointing and saying to Izzy Brown or whoever, floodlights that. No, that I, it's not a good idea. I don't think it was that cut and dried. I think it was a case of what happened with it and Bamford has had his head in his hands and just said, I lost it in the lights, pointed at him. But anyway, I mean, look, that's 
not for us to worry about too much, is it? Because all we can do is go on what we see with our eyes and we've seen two brilliant crosses and no, none of them end up in the back of the net, both of which should. It is a bit of a shame. We do worry about the final ball from Jackie Harrison and Johnny Alioski quite often. And we seem to have cracked that, like the pinging in some wonderful crosses there. So it's now we realise that that was only half the problem. Um, but we're getting there, you know, it's progress. Good crosses eventually will lead to some good finishes. It's the perennial Bielsa problem though today, isn't it? A side that's come to sit deep and absorb pressure, gets one chance, scores it, and we make really, really heavy work of breaking them down until Pablo comes on. I mean, in the second half, we actually broke them down quite a lot. We should have scored at least three goals in that half. The, Dallas, the second Dallas one was a good chance as well when it, it got blocked by someone, didn't it? It was he shot and it was... Held Acosta's heels. I think he's done a Bamford. The goal was gaping a bit then as well. I think I feel like it should have maybe been a converted as well. But I mean, it's hard to criticise Dallas when he was the only one who actually did manage to get it in the net. And also, not really Dallas's job. He does seem to step up in these big games when we need him to when we need a goal. But you look around that team and Dallas is probably the fifth player you'd come to for, for a goal, I would say. Let's wind back to the start of the game then. And there were some portents of doom early doors when Liam Cooper went off early. Looks like a dead leg, hopefully not nothing too serious that. Do you think a dead leg? It looked like it, it looked like his back to me. Uh it seemed that's what it seemed they seemed to be saying on LUTV. They thought they understood it was a dead leg, but I mean I've, I don't know anything beyond that what was said at that point by I think it was Ben Parker at half time said that. Well I it looked to me like it it was his lower back and he had that thing where he was trying to move and it was obviously twinging horrendously as he was trying to walk with it. So I don't know, I have a dodgy back myself, so I kind of know that feeling of Oh, Christ, I can't walk. Ben Parker knows injuries, though. Don't forget that. <laughs> True enough. And Baradion. We didn't look convincing at the back, did we, in that first half? I thought we, we looked fairly lively in attack, but we were a little bit shaky, a little bit ragged at the back. When did they attack us to make us look ragged at the back? There was that one thing that Baradion did, which was more or less his, I guess, his first touch in back after like several months, which wouldn't have helped, but when they bundled past him a bit, after taking a bit of a sloppy touch. But I mean, that aside, yeah, they, they didn't really attack us at all for any of the game. I meant in terms of the, it, it was the pressing I meant more than sort of attacking in that sense, because they didn't really break through us at all, did they? But it was just that press in the wide areas quite high up the pitch and it just forced a few errors and a few lazy balls. Yeah, I mean, they came, Nathan Jones has, has come with quite a mad plan in some ways. I don't think you often see a manager playing five at the back against Leeds. You see that quite often, but then you don't also then see two forwards pressing Leeds' defence. You might see one up there, but it would normally be 5-4-1 and they're trying to lock it securely. But he, he's tried to give Leeds stuff to think about at both ends of the pitch. Um, five players to get through at least at one end and then knowing Bielsa's uh, numerical advantage at the back, if he's always got two up there, Bielsa's has always got to have three back. Um, and he's stuck to that throughout the game. And I think we are obviously going to be very, very critical of Leeds United for not beating Luton, but they actually defended really, really well. I ended up drawing little diagrams of some of our attacks when we're going down the wing, particularly in the first half. And given how much of Bielsa's game is all about generating the overloads out wide and then you can switch it in the space on the other side... We had we would have two players 
going attacking down the wing up against five Luton defenders um, who were completely blocking the path. You had and four in a. I mean, I'm not very tactically minded, but they were standing in a very um, well designed, well structured square, and then one guy attacking the ball, and it was very, very difficult for Leeds to get through. And they never really stopped doing that throughout the game. They got um, even when we had, if you count Tyler Roberts, six wingers on the pitch. And when he got to half time, I think changes were expected. Um, didn't quite expect to see Berardi yanked again, but it seemed to be a change in formation that, in fairness, seemed to work. We seemed to be a lot more on the front foot in that second half. Yes, they scored almost immediately. <laughs> it worked a treat. Uh, I, I mean, I must admit, I was very confused at half time when he was doing that, but I just thought, well, you know, it's Bielsa, isn't it? I'll, I'll tend to trust him on his subs and his changing his shape and whatever. And we were. I take your point, overall second half, we were better. I think Alioski probably made more difference than Pablo today, strangely. I thought he was brilliant when he came on. I think maybe we've, I don't know, have we underestimated his intelligence because he's a bit of a lunatic? Because he does seem to be able to come on and change a game. I don't know if it's because he gets good instructions from Bielsa about what he should do or whether or not he's able to watch a game and see maybe some areas that he can get into and cause a bit of damage. But that's two games in a row now he's come on and he's, Possibly been our best player, I would say. That pass into Stuart Dallas for the goal was brilliant and that wouldn't have been a... I mean, it will be a something that Bielsa will have pointed out becomes an opportunity when you are in, in that position and the various runs everybody has to make. But he chose um, the right one superbly. And yeah, I think um, Alioski is a is a very good player and he, he, he just doesn't always hit those heights. He does seem to be in good form, but... He was good against um who did we beat on Saturday? Fulham. He was good against Fulham and he was good again tonight in his two halves. So if if Dallas is finished, then um we've got a decent uh, backup at, at left back. But yeah, the, the second half plan was exactly because of those difficulties in getting any overloads out wide. We had two wingers on one side, two wingers on the other, and then you're looking for Tyler Roberts and, and Patrick Bamford often playing together in the middle with um, Pablo Hernandez, setting it all going from deep. And and that was basically the plan. And it worked. I actually, in a sick kind of way, really enjoyed that second half because you only get that kind of second half if your team is managed by Marcelo Bielsa or a team is managed by Marcelo Bielsa. I could almost, I would have been able to dispassionately enjoy it if that was like a, a quarterfinal match at a World Cup. And it was Chile were uh, really trying hard to, to get past Norway and they'd gone a goal behind. And suddenly you're watching this incredible team with this, all you know about the manager is they, they call him El Loco and he's a crazy man from Argentina. And they're playing with, like I said, if you include Tyler Roberts, six wingers. And two of them were basically playing two wingers on each wing. And again, for Luton to be able to, well, they withstood it to an extent and that's when our our finishing uh, becomes an issue because those two crosses that we did manage to get in, both um, we should have dragged Lee Chapman onto the pitch and forced him to head them into the goal. Um, but um, but otherwise, to to withstand that kind of second half battering um, against a team that just did not leave um, Luton's half until I think Luton got a bit of a, a second wind towards the end of the last 10 minutes, I think they realised they could really get a point and started pushing higher and uh, and getting more confidence and fresher legs with the substitutes. 
Um, but we were, I mean, sometimes you've got to, we are still six points clear of dropping out of the top two. And you have to go look back and go, that was, that was good football. It's just a shame it didn't finish with the Leeds result. I mean, to go back to the first half again, and, and the sort of summary of that was that we didn't create enough and we were struggling to create chances. But there were still half chances in there. There was the Bamford one really early on, which was admittedly difficult because it was wide. But then there was a Costa one as well where he blasted it over. I kind of would expect him to do better on that. There was the Tyler Roberts one where he took it nicely and lashed it over the bar. So there were still half chances. It wasn't like watching a Dave Hockaday's Leeds United where when you said there were no chances, it meant we'd not had the ball anywhere near the box for an entire game. There were still some decent stuff happening there. And they were, as you say, they were very clearly set up to just hold off, hold us off for as long as possible. So I don't think it was maybe as disastrous. There's just such a lot of tension at the moment that if we're not leading against a, a bottom half team early on, it does start to feel a bit like we need to panic. I think what Moscow was describing there was us going into the three. It was the classic Bielsa 3-1 Three three or three three one three, whichever it is, where you've got like loads of wide men going on and uh, all sorts of crazy wizard shit. I don't know what it is, but um, it was a proper sucker punch that goal, wasn't it? Like fifty minutes, and you just thought, "Oh, Wigan, here we go again." We've seen this film before, but it was a good good goal in fairness, wasn't it? Harry Connick Jr. with a nice finish, uh, unexpected scorer, and it was yeah, it was a good finish. It's almost. There's nobody really to blame for that, was there? We were attacking. They leads us. Counter-attack and a really good finish. Ben White could have been a touch tighter, maybe. I'm not sure. He seemed to, he seemed to be sort of saying, go on, then have a shot. But it all happened very quickly. And yeah, you would struggle to say it was an obvious error. It just wasn't fair. Because I think that was about <laughs> their only shot they had. Again, every shot that we face goes in the fucking net. And it's so annoying. Do you think that's something to do with how high we play up the pitch? Because we're so attacking that we kind of leave ourselves exposed at the back. So we are prone to conceding from fewer chances. I don't know, it's strange today. I was thinking actually early on, um, who was it misplaced to pass? It reminded me a bit of Calvin against Cardiff, but they didn't take advantage of it because it went to a Luton player who was quite slow. And I did think we've actually got away with one there. But the Cardiff chances, they didn't, that wasn't from us pressing. That was just us making mistakes. And Fulham didn't have a great deal of chances there there was there was the number there was the Mitrovic header and a few other kind of scrappy bits that could have gone their way but it's very hard to actually say why teams score all shots on target against us i think tonight tonight is the only time uh, since we've come back that a team has really carved us open and made a chance and scored as you say the two against cardiff were um giveaways and i think it it was always a, a risky manoeuvre. If, you if you're only going to play three defenders um, and Luton are coming at you with um, with two up top and we are putting such an emphasis on everybody who isn't one of those three defenders and sometimes when Ben White goes charging forward or Ailing is still expected to get forward as well, um, we're just leaving two back, that you're going to get caught and it's kind of the... Um, um, the, the the flip side of that exuberant attacking philosophy is that it does leave the door open at the other end. Um, part of the idea, though, is that you know even if they do score one, um, we'll score two. We got halfway there. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. 
you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Were you surprised to see Pablo not brought on at half time? He waited till the 60th minute for him to come on? Um, not especially. I think it wasn't the same as the Fulham game where we we would lost control of it and, and they had more of the ball because I think Bielsa loves possession that much that if he sees we're not having it, he needs to change it immediately. Whereas today, like, like I said... We weren't carving him open exactly in the first half, but nor were they controlling the game. So, And he just seemed to be a bit injured, and we do need him to get promoted, it seems. So, no, I think it was fair enough leaving him as long as he did. And I think, and, and also, prior to him coming on the second half, was an, we showed an improvement without Pablo as well. Still didn't score without him, which is worrying. But, you know, you've got to sometimes trust the other players. We do have a squad full of players who are supposed to be good. So let them do it sometimes. And Bielsa said on uh, Saturday after the game that one of the reasons Pablo changed things when he came on is because he could do exactly what he did for the goal, which was from deep he can play those longer balls over the top of um, Fulham's defence where there was space and there, was, there wasn't any prospect of doing that. I mean, if he was sitting deep and playing high balls forward, um, I don't know how far he would have to kick it. There would still be a looting defender the other side so it wasn't um set up the way it was on um on Saturday all that um Pablo did when he came on was dictate the play from deep but set up those uh overloads on the wings which is pretty much what matches click had been doing he was just uh he, he was just a little bit more Pablo at it um so he was able to maybe start better quality attacks but it wasn't a, a situation like it was on um Saturday for a for a devastating through ball because there just wasn't space. And it took him three minutes though to create the goal and he was involved in it with that pass to Alioski onto Stuart Dallas and a lovely finish. Quite nice that wasn't it when you take it out of the context of the, the nerves around the game. I shall look back on that as, as fondly as I look back at Stuart Dallas's playoff goals <laughs> when we fucking up again this season. <laughs> that was nicely worked at least wasn't it? Good. 
Yeah, it was a nice goal. Yeah, what does it fucking matter? Well, it matters because <laughs> we got we got a point. It's one more point. We did. It, it, the thing is, this does feel like points dropped, doesn't it? Let's be honest. It, well, it is points dropped. This is a. This was such a good chance to, to well, not pull away because other teams won, but such a good chance to just tick off another game and make it look impossible for the teams below us. And I saw I made I had the misfortune of watching the Brentford game as well, and they look really good, which is annoying. Admittedly, they're playing Reading, who look like they couldn't be bothered, but. I don't know, that worried me as well. I think having just come off watching their first half where they were, I suppose their first half was a lot like our second half there, um, except they can score. You've come up, you've stumbled across a really good point there where you said Reading looked like they didn't care. Um, Luton, that win, uh, sorry, win. I mean, it it felt like a Luton win. That point um, puts them to 40. They are still bottom, but a win um, could take them further up the table I can't do the maths to see exactly where it goes but like Stoke at the moment so they've played the same it could take them 21st yeah it depends what um, Huddersfield and and Hull do as well doesn't it but it's they've come out and they beat Swansea as well they've come um, out with uh, Nathan Jones looking like they want to stay in the division Um, whereas our next game Blackburn who are 10th I don't think they'll be particularly asked. I think that's the they've got the Reading factor where they, they don't really want to be doing any of this. And then after that, who we're playing next, we've got um, Stoke, who are still, they've got stuff to play for, but we know we can beat them quite easily. Luton weren't easy at their place, remember, whereas we absolutely, uh, we um, destroyed Nathan Jones's Stoke <laughs> at, yeah. at their place. Um, but then after that, it's Swansea, who... Yeah, Swansea are at the moment eighth. I mean, they can kid themselves that they're getting in the playoffs, but they're not. So Luton, they wanted that. And you could, I mentioned it before, you could see their change in, not change in attitude, but they kind of redoubled their efforts with about the last 10 um, minutes going into five minutes where they they thought, right, we can actually get this point. And they started pressing us higher again. They'd, they'd eased off a little bit, which is when we managed to get the, some of the chances. But they they dug it out for the, uh, the end of that game to get that point because they want to stay in this division and they're fired up not to get relegated. I do not think that's going to be such a problem with Blackburn and Swansea and Stoke are just a... I mean, they're a nonsense anyway, so... I, I predict. I I think we'll beat Stoke for the following reason: Nathan Jones is going to keep looting up, and Stoke are going to go down, and he is going to have a very ungodly um, laugh at their expense. I mean, just returning to tonight's game before we get back to that stuff. Uh, I mean, we didn't, we nearly didn't see it thanks to whoever was the director on this one. But that 88th minute chance that was really nice, where we it's probably the best chance of all uh, to win it late on. Never mind the Costa one. Deep into injury time. Did you catch any of the 88th minute chance? I think I saw it on the replay. Um, I can't remember. I can't even remember what happened now. Christ. Um, it was, that's on where Dallas should score, wasn't it? I think. Did he come to Dallas then to Costa? Quite possibly. I mean, all I got was, was Bryn Law's um, lovely picture painting. I didn't actually manage to see it on my TV. I'm just looking at um, Info Goal. Have, goal, have the, a chart where the, you can see where XG chances were created in the box. Um, and Costa's got a couple in there. I presume that last one is his header, which was a 23% chance apparently. Bamford's header, because he didn't make contact with it, isn't even on there, which shows a bit of a flaw in the system. <sighs> in Bamford's system? 
I think the biggest the biggest flaw in that is Patrick Bamford, to be honest. Yes, but they had they had not point two three on that, and we had one point seven seven apparently. I mean, if you don't accept the excuse of the floodlights or the explanation that the floodlights were to blame for for Bamford not getting anywhere near that chance, you now can understand why. Because we we occasionally get pelters about slating Bamford, and it's not you you will him to score, you will him to do well, but. He misses a lot of big chances and that really was a big chance. So I think based on that evidence of that chance, that's why he's frustrating because tonight was almost the reverse of uh, of the weekend where tonight he did the, the sort of donkey work, um, if you'll excuse the turn of phrase, you know, the, the, run, the running and the pressing and all that sort of stuff, the closing down. But then when it came to the big chance, not there. It happens too often for it to just be an accident. I don't honestly understand having seen his finishing over the past two seasons how he has got to the level he has and he's paid the amount he, he is paid because he cannot finish it's embarrassing watching him do it sometimes and I don't I don't want this to just be pouring unnecessary hate on him but he cannot finish the stats prove it my eyes tell me it. he gets in loads of good positions and has loads of shot loads of chances put on a plate for him and he consistently misses them and it's not good enough Chris Wood in who was in the don't get me wrong in like the the realms of lead strikers of old. Chris Wood, not like one of the finest, but had a very good season for us. In his pomp for us, Chris Wood would have 30 goals this season already. And to fact, Bamford's managed, what, 13? Most of them tapped into an empty goal. It's just not good enough. And I think it's time for Roberts to step in there instead. I was thinking about Chris Wood earlier, um, and he's a good example, actually, because you remember his um, first couple of seasons at Leeds, he was exactly like this where he couldn't finish he was desperately poor and he would stick one in the uh in the goal and then would run around with his hands behind his ears but what changed it for him remember is James Beatty coming in and teaching him how to do it and I think uh Chris Wood was probably a younger player than um Patrick Bamford at that point I think he's about 21 whereas Bamford is now 26 and I think that might be part of Patrick Bamford's problem is that there's this kind of assumption that if you're 26 years old and you have uh you know you came through the ranks at Chelsea you played all these games for Derby and Middlesbrough and you played in he's played in the Premier League hasn't he and um and you've moved around for these big fees that you know everything and you know we can see that, that his instincts and his ability in the penalty area is is not top draw um but there's still but because he is the age he is and because he's considered to have done it all and seen it all and, and learn everything there is to learn, there's not that um, that onus to somebody to go in there and say, do you want me to actually teach you how to be a striker? And if Patrick Bamford might actually say, you know, yeah, that'd be great. If if James Beattie, who I believe because he uh, didn't go with um, Gary Monk to Sheffield Wednesday because like everybody else, he can't stand him. Um, but then we ended up on gardening live out at Birmingham. If he's at a loose end, just get him on a contract and just get him one to one with Patrick Bamford for a few weeks and teach him how to put the ball in the net. And I think it would do him the, the world of good. And you know, he's just out there floundering beneath the floodlights on his own. The lad needs some help with this. Just to go back to that comparison with Chris Wood, though, actually, I've just looked at it. And that season, Chris Wood scored 13 goals, which I think is how many Bamford's got this year. And he did that in 36 appearances. So that's basically what Bamford's done this year. 
and he was playing in a team managed by Steve Evans for the majority of it in the same in the same side as I mean who was who'll have been putting the crosses in for him uh, Suleiman Dukara he'll have had Tommaso Bianchi he'll have had Diego Raga playing behind him he was never as bad as this is the point I'm making I know it maybe felt like that but he didn't have an awful lot to work with in that side and he still got 13 goals in a season yes. I think. I think a two that's what I think a twenty fifteen sixteen Chris Wood probably still has ten goal ten goals more than Bamford in this season. And I know the and the the twenty sixteen seventeen Chris Wood probably has about forty. Well, I'm going to suggest that my idea of coaching the Bamford that we do have rather than regenerating a Chris Wood from, <laughs> from twenty fifteen is more practical. I'm just trying to say I don't think Chris Wood was ever this bad. But yeah, I agree. Make him better. You do raise a good point there, Moscow, actually, that this is probably the first season in his career where he's had a full season up front and particularly leading the line on his own and being asked to do the, the number nine role. I mean, anybody who caught the Sky commentary um, for the Fulham game over the weekend would have heard Steve McLaren in amongst many other things talking about when he took him to Derby and stuck him up front, but kind of he, he lacked the sort of desire and the aggression to be a number nine. So he moved him out, out wide and made him sort of an inside forward on the wing. It seems to be a pattern of a pattern of stuff that's happened like you know it's a it's a pattern that's repeated itself across his career that hasn't it he tended to be played off a striker at Middlesbrough so it's it's a new role to him and you'd also forget that he spent a lot of time going on loan from club to club to club like one of those professional Chelsea loanees you know the likes of Izzy Brown and so on that uh, this this entire sort of subset of footballers this new class of footballers that just mills around Chelsea's academy and goes you know to a different club every year and earns loads of money He's never really settled anywhere and he's never really done this role properly before. So despite being relatively old at 26, whatever he is, that it's still a quite fairly new experience to him. He certainly makes it look that way. Right, well, we, we need 13 points to get promoted at this point. Will we do it? Moscow, you said it was already done after Fulham. Is it done? Yeah, well, we're still winning the league. Just wait until West Brom get beaten by Gary Monk's lot tomorrow. It'll make everything feel a lot better. That would make things feel a lot better. I will have, have uh, Nathan Jones' FA charge as well for um, spitting Spanish words in Pablo Hernandez's direction after the game, which is all being talked about. On uh, Adam Pope says he's apologised, but um, I, if I was Pablo Hernandez, I would refuse to accept it. Just tell him he's going to hell. All your good work, Nathan. Your apology. I'm afraid it's not been accepted. Just add the word. Repenting will not fix this one, I'm afraid, Nathan. Well, as it you know, as it goes, we pick heroes and villains, don't we? So I take it we'll stick Jones in there for sticking all those men behind the ball, having somebody who scored, uh, insulting Pablo, just been a, a general irritant. They were just looking at the stats again. They had they completed um, 96 accurate passes today to our 450, which is ridiculous. To only have connected 96 times with passes in a whole game of football is ridiculous. It really was, in the second half, like somebody had set up a really difficult coaching exercise where you have to attack um, for 45 minutes um, from a goal down against a team that is just going to stay back. But with that little twist of you can't leave their strikers alone because there's there's two of them up front. And um, yeah, I think... Jones just he he came with some madness and it shouldn't have worked. Like the the, the chances we did create um, should have gone in the the net and maybe in a um, a sharper mood. I don't know what if we can 
talk about fitness after the lockdown. And this is the first time that we've had to play Saturday, Tuesday. We had a, a week off last week. So we had Saturday, Saturday with the two fresh games. We've, we've not, we are in that territory where um, we've not seen players have to cope with this kind of schedule um, after three months of doing absolutely nothing. Um, and so our, our brain's in tune, our body's in tune. Lots of things to kind of make that second half incredibly difficult. I just still feel very grateful that um, we had Marcelo Bielsa um, deciding to attack that second half with two wingers on each wing because you don't get that with anybody else. And it, it, it stuck us much more in the game. It wasn't like a, you know, it wasn't like a ground out 1-1. The, um, the, the positive to take is the chances that we did have because I could, I could imagine another um, team thinking, well, we, you know, oh, we, we, we went behind against this lot, got it back to 1-1, we'll shut up shop because a point keeps us at the top. We were still attacking in the 96th minute and we should have, you know, that's when Costa's floodlit header didn't happen. I mean, it'll be daylight on Saturday, won't it? That's good. In Blackburn? <laughs> well, if the, if the thick smog from the old mills has cleared anyway. I mean, actually, while we're on the villains, what, what's Costa about? I don't really get him. Yeah, I feel like he's got it in him to be so much better than he is, and he frustrates me every single game. There was a couple of points today where he ran at people on the right wing, and you're like, yes, just do that more. Why do you never do this? It's annoying. We'll be fine, Michael. We'll be fine. Do we have any heroes? Stuart Dallas, playing his last game of the season for us, but I thought it was excellent. <laughs> I, lo- <laughs> I love it when we get pessimistic, Michael, back. I miss you so much. Alioski was heroic as well. I thought he played very well. Second he half. was good. And, uh, and we'll be using him for the rest of the season. So um, long may that continue. And uh, Amelia, for the way he came uh, charging out and took a kick, clearing the ball. I thought he did a good good job there. Um, almost made up for not saving that shot, but it was a very good shot. Pablo Hernandez for not lamping Nathan Jones, although I wish he had. Um, also, Victor Orta, it sounds like he's got involved in this argument as well, so he can be a hero for not lamping um, Nathan Jones, when I think that's probably something that was much more likely than Pablo um, doing it. So they, Unless we find out it has anyway, in which case, fair enough. I mean, if Victor Orta has punched a man of God, I'm, I'm absolutely here for that. Vamos, needs carajo! Right, let's get out of here. Let's regroup. Uh, we're back for the Phil Hayes show on Friday morning and the match ball following... Uh, who have we got at the weekend? Blackburn. Oh, God. More of the same then. Blackburn, Saturday. Let's do it again. Alan Shearer's going to score. Sorry to tell you. Alan Shearer hat-trick. Colin Hendry putting his body on the line. We're not scoring. At least you'll win some money from it, Michael. Eh? Cheer up. Cheer up. Thanks for listening to this one. We'll see you in a bit. Bye-bye. The Match Ball. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.